you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. That a, a Marvel dad shirt? No, Marvel. Yeah. It is. Okay, very yeah. good. Bad dad. Cool. All right. Yep. Father's Day. There we go. Never having had kids, I do not have any Dad's Day paraphernalia. You know, I never had uh, the ugly ties or the, uh, uh, let's see, what else do you give dads? Well, cool. my, my kids have learned, even my stepkids have learned, that I'm really uh, all for something unique, something, you know, like that. So a lot of times I get like a customized drawing. Like my stepdaughter drew a picture basically of my face on Han Solo's body. Uh, That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, so little things like that. Um, one year, Megan uh, recorded herself playing and singing a bunch of songs. Or, you know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Me and Colin went to Nelson Legends, which was really uh, very cool. We, we, we have, in fact, um, multiple times when we've been for uh, the budget's return to Hinkley, we've, we've combined that with a hike around Nelson Legends. If it's not still iced and snowed over, we actually have, have been there one time where we like went up some kind of canyon and realized uh, we're not going to be able to get out of this canyon. The trail is too iced over. So we, we, we had to do, I don't know, a lot of retracing our steps, which we usually, we try to pick loop walks and stuff like that. And instead it was just, you know, this really is like dangerously blocked. We didn't have, you know, ice axes and pythons, pythons to be able to climb up Even this if you ice did. Wall. Well, exactly. Colin, we were walking around, and he's like, "Well, this is cool." And we're like going in little areas and going up stuff. He's like, "I don't think we're on the trail." And I'm like, "Yep, there's a marker right there." I mean, the trails okay. aren't exactly, you know, let's say grandma for a walk along the trail. Exactly. Colin and I have done that a couple times, or we we a lot of state parks, as opposed to national parks, seem to have that. They put flashes on trees, but the flashes either aren't maintained well, or they're just fewer, fewer and farther between. And so we've been walking along what we thought was still the trail because it was wild and tamped down and not just a deer run or something like that. But all of a sudden it's like, okay, <laughs> where's the obvious way to go yes. through here? <laughs> yeah. And he kept telling me, he's like, if you die, Gina's going to blame me. I'm like, nah, she knows me. <laughs> if I remember Hocking Hills, we had a couple things where we weren't sure about the trail, but we were like, okay, we know if we keep, the cliffside on this side, then according to the map, you, you can only get out from here. It's just as this is much rougher going, you know, we were thinking there'd be just a, like a path along a river or something like that. And then suddenly you're like in the river or in the Creek or whatever. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. There were a couple of spots where I'm like, oh, I think we can make it over there. He's like, no, we're, we're not jumping. We're not going to risk it. I'm like, I think we can make it over there. <laughs> of course it was like 150 foot down. If you slipped. <laughs> That's right. Colleen and I have, Never done anything that was super risky like that. But there's been a couple places where, for instance, we love, we get cabin fever relatively early. So we've often gone for like April hikes, like right around as soon as Easter is, we're out there. And we've been a couple places where, you know, April showers were in full gear and we were there on a Sunday where it hadn't rained. But it sure was, man, 
we got into places where it's like, I'm going to lose a boot. These boots are like really laced on. And yet this is that suck mud that really is, <laughs> oh my God, you know, and, and Helene is lighter than I, so she's more like a water bug where she skids across the top. I am going in every step. And then you're looking for, well, what, what could I step on that's a little bit firmer? <laughs> no, no. And in fact, if you fall, it's like, I don't think this is like quicksand, but there's nothing to push yourself <laughs> up against. So then I'm like, I don't want to jerk myself around so much that I might fall over because I'll just be sodden with slop and then I'm going to get back in my car. You know right. what I mean? It's, <laughs> right. we, have, we haven't had that where we actually you know, like got back to the car. It's like, man, I don't think I have a brush in the car, but whatever we have that's like a towel or a blanket, that's got to be easier to get some of this stuff off of our boots than to get in, grind it into the floor mats. I don't know. We just whatever compromises we had to make of right. what's the least amount of damage that we can do. Right. That, like you know, I can run car mats through a car wash, but if I'm, if I got mud on me and I sit down on the seat, my sitting on the seat is going to be Al's, you know, hundreds right. of pounds grushing that. In. Oh, well, man. You know, Al, with a little extra preparation, you could probably have extra towels with you. <laughs> we have learned to do that ever since the first <laughs> yes. time. And, and you know, what's funny is, I was really good about that back when I lived in Chicagoland in Hoffman Estates. Me and the pooch, me and Fenris went for all kinds of forest walk. And as you might imagine, I might be sensible about where I go walking. He loved diving into the swamp. He loved, you know, so often we'd get back to the car and I'd be like bringing him out because he had so much water in his fur and all kinds of mud on his paws. And I think I mentioned he was a case hound, you know, a case hound that they're super fuzzy. And there's just burrs and mud. And he was as happy as a pig in slop, as you might imagine. <laughs> the first time that I wasn't prepared and he climbed into the back of my car and, and and he doesn't just lay down, even though he was tired. Of course, he wants to look out both windows and put his paws on the back. It's like, what? you're everywhere you touch. You're, you're desecrating my car. So then I learned to have like an old bedspread so it would cover the entire seat. And I could actually kind of curl it around and over right. so that it wouldn't come down. And that, that bedspread was then a goner. You know what I mean? Sometimes you get dirt in that even after I threw it into the washing machine, that was like permadirt. It's yeah. like where they make the red dirt t-shirts and it doesn't wash out. <laughs> Whatever he found was that same level of slop, level of that right. plus cotton equals permanent staining. <laughs> oh, well. Well, it's all natural, yeah. at least. Yeah. He loved it. That so was so much fun to take him weekend, out on the block. Yeah. This yes. weekend, oh. we're going up to put in bay some family. We're going to go. Okay. We're exploring. Yeah. So, of course, it'll be interesting with Jason with the crutches. Are you, are you actually going like out on boats and going to each of the aisles? Okay, because we've never done that. I mean, I'm in town 20 years now, and we've talked about doing it multiple times. And somehow, it, I don't know, we miss it doing during it uh, the spring. And then when it gets crowded in the summer, it's like, I don't know, I don't want to go. Hey, everybody here is drunk. Let's go have fun. You know what I mean? It, it, that doesn't ever appeal to me, the crowds and the drunkenness. Well, <laughs> so, it's one of those weird, uh, sad, happy things because, uh, you know, Gina lost her mom and then her nephew and now her dad is, you know, it, it could be any that. day type thing. So okay. she she's had a rough relationship with her family at times, uh, both sides. Uh, you know, there, there's things that happen and then people, it just lingers. Um, but she, like, said, they've all said, you know, what the hell have we been doing? I mean – you know, we barely see each other. We don't even see each other at holidays, you know? And so yeah. they've been making an effort, getting the siblings getting together for dinner, uh, getting together for a birthday and, 
uh, calling each other, texting each other more. And this was just her Aunt Holly said, hey, we're going to put in Bay. You guys want to come along? And we're like, yeah, we're, we're there. You know, it, it, it's taking advantage of it while you can. Uh, so it ought to be. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's kind of, I'm kind of amazed, you know, same kind of thing. I have two brothers, an older and a younger, and they're not like next door, but they're down in near Cincinnati and near Bloomington, Indiana. And it, it's been years since we saw each other. We see each other because we get together with the parents and because of COVID and not going out to visit in, in California where the parents are. We just haven't pushed to make that thing happen. And it, there was a time when it might have been not only the holidays, but it was like, how about at least one summer cookout, either Memorial Day or Labor Day or Fourth of July? Or just, if you find yourself in that city, stop by. And somehow, schedules got constrained. And, and really, for all the right reasons, we're not really that lazy. They were both in the service for a long time. Colleen had, uh, 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 and me both had serious like work or consulting schedules. So you had to make all that gel. And sometimes even when you tried, it was like, wow, that's like a two-hour window. And it's going to be such a stressor for all of us that if anything goes wrong, that we're not going to do it. And, and that's still, that's only an excuse. And I don't know, I, Gina and your family are doing a wonderful thing to not just say, oh, well, but to actually try to get together, try to heal perhaps past difficulties and stuff like that. And so, it's one of those wonderful. things, I think, get it in your head. And you're like, oh, that's just so much work. It's so much trouble, uh, you know, and, and then when you actually do it, it's really not, you know, you're, you surprise yourself, or at least I do, uh, you yeah. know, so, and I, I sometimes have to push her and I don't think it's all her fault. I don't know if I said earlier that she got diagnosed with congestive heart failure and the whole. I didn't know that. I okay, knew she had sorry. gotten for an operation for, but not that, for like the, the knee, right? Or the hip. Yes. That's okay. what they discovered. Well, actually, another story. We have not been happy with doctors this year. Let's put it that way. I had an experience okay. yesterday, but she looked at her own chart because she's, you know, accessed all that. And she's yes. like, wait a second. From my knee last year, what's this note about my heart? And her doctor looked at it and said, oh, that's not good. You should get that looked at. Nobody said anything. They just over made a year. It. Yeah, over a oh year. My God. And so she went and got tests. I mean, she did a sleep study. She got all sorts of tests recently. And they basically said, well, the right side of your heart is weak and it doesn't work right. They said, that's why you're so tired. That's why when you stand up, you get dizzy. Uh, it just doesn't work good. And she's like, so what do I do? They're like, um well, there's really not anything you can do, which is probably why they never said anything. But okay. at least now you know. So it kind of hit her because it's genetic, is what they said. Along with her parents, she's like, all this time wasted, you know? And so it, it's been easy to say, I'm just too tired from work. I don't feel like going out this weekend. But now it's like, hmm, let's just go do it. We'll, we'll make it happen. So, yeah. you know, there's got to be, it's kind of funny. Uh, Age makes cowards of us all. You know, Colleen and I are still relatively high energy, but there's been, we, we've discovered, for instance, that if you have a vacation and you try to do like two weekends plus the weekend between, so nine days, let's go, and you get home late on Sunday night and you work on Monday, man, it's really tough to get home, unpack, kind of like immediately get back into work mode. So one time we had to, out of flights, we got back Saturday instead of Sunday, and we were just so much happier with being able to sleep in a little bit Sunday morning, take Sunday to kind of get your vacation face off and your, your work game face on, and I don't know, unpack, get laundry going, uh, open the windows up to the house. It just was so much 
the right de-stressor at the end of a vacation, which should be about relieving stress, instead of immediately going kind of into that weird pressure cooker, the alarm goes off and immediately you're like, I'm not ready. You know what I mean? So we're kind of starting to do that. We, you voluntarily give up a day of vacation and I don't know if we're going to be in, uh, you know, the land of the Northern lights. I don't want to miss the Northern lights because I left a day early. And yet in other ways, it's just a little bit of planning. Is there really a difference between 13 days and 14 days of a vacation? Maybe not as much. Maybe it's worth a trade-off, you know? Yeah, exactly. Starting to do that. (laughs) Next week, actually, I don't know if I've mentioned this, maybe way back when, but we're leaving Wednesday to go to Salem, Massachusetts. There's a writer's retreat. You Uh, had mentioned that. That's very cool. We're going a couple days early to explore. Uh, You know, Thursday, Friday is going to be our time exploring the city and doing stuff together. Yeah. And Saturday is mostly going to be the writer's retreat. Uh, so I'm going to be with that. She's going to the beach. Uh, and then Sunday, it's like half day is the writer's thing. We're going to spend the rest of the day around, around and stuff, drive back. Um, exactly. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. She's like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Good for you, man. You know, Salem is a great area. You know, it's really got history. It's really got literature. It, it, it's a beautiful place. If you, like, there's any number of big cities that all you have to do is get, like, an hour outside of them, and all of a sudden, wow, New York State is not all New York. It's upstate New York is beautiful. Massachusetts, you don't have to get far from Boston to be like, wow, there's, like, rolling hills and green and right. stuff like that. So, yeah. good for well, you. It's weird because I, a couple years ago, I wrote a story set in Salem. Now I'm going there. So, I used Google Maps for a couple of the things, so I'm going to go to those actual places and get pictures and stuff. There so you go. That's, that's cool. Yeah, that, that's a, a geekery topic. There's uh, any number of things that I've read about in books before I ever had a chance to go there. Like, I really like a series by Guy Gavriel Kay called The uh, the Fionavar Tapestry, and it starts off at the University of Toronto. And so the first time that I was at Toronto, I think I mentioned I was there for like a Macworld, but it wasn't only that I wanted to see the CN Tower and other I don't know, highlights, if you will, in all the guidebooks. I really wanted to go to the University of Toronto because the way he painted the scenes, it was very vivid. And I just, I kind of, it's fun to inhabit something that you've read about and go, it it is, this is just kind of how I pictured it in my mind, but I wasn't aware of that the buildings really all have ivy on them. So at night it's even darker. You know what I mean? And a whole bunch of cool things like that. Yeah. I remember when... uh as in scouts and we were going out to Arizona and we took the train and we stopped in Chicago and okay. I was going up the steps. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is where they filmed the untouchables. And the I'm untouchables, like, the yeah, baby buddy. Boom, yeah, boom, boom, boom. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, Oh man, this is the place. Yeah. Yeah. It, when we've, when, um, I, I really love that. You know, if you, if you just take a little bit of interest and, and wander around, I remember we, as you know, we've been to our state capital. That we, we had a wonderful chance to tour the United States by making that. We're going to do this. We're going to go to all the state capitals. And then, of course, you see what national parks and what oddities and stuff. Having said that, we were also like in the Kansas state capitol. And there's the painting that the first Kansas album is based on. You know, John Brown, the, the, the mad preacher, if you will. And, and, and it's big. It's not like a little Mona Lisa type guy. It's the whole wall. It's like, no wonder they, growing up, came to the capitol and said, that is memorable and impressive as hell and we're going to use that when we get you know our, for big and famous time to go with the kansas album so nice. very fun <laughs> yeah uh, of course most of the stuff i read is sci-fi and fantasy so i don't think i'm ever going to actually beat uh, most of them <laughs> uh, you know, 
when you go to the moon, it'll be, this is just like the one pod for, yeah, that they described in Heinlein's, et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah, I was, I was just reading Dune. I don't think I'm going to be on any desert worlds anytime soon. <laughs> any spice worlds. worlds. Yeah. It was a spice world, though. And anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. The Lego stuff. So. But you know what? Even that, going to Cape Canaveral and being like, here's a real rocket taking off. You know, this, this really is. They, those things start somewhere. <laughs> right, right. It's a, the imagination. All the imagination. So how's your uh, sh- uh, garage going? Well, as you know, as you know, I've been throwing things onto Facebook because some, let's do this. Um, Some parts of it have been unsatisfying because (laughs) there's been very little communication from my company as to what's going to happen, when, um, who's going to do it, what do I need to do to prepare for it. And so I just, it's always a very weird sensation to like hear voices outside your window at eight in the morning. (laughs) You know what I mean? And after a while, I, I, wanted them to be communicating so i was prompting them more and even then there was like neglect and resistance and so it was like okay then i don't have to do anything in this except make sure that i'm satisfied and pony up a check you know what i mean they're they're gonna whatever mistakes they make they're gonna fix and whatever dissatisfaction i might have we will make sure we get satisfied but besides that other things leading up to this now by that meaning the actual you know preparation for the laying of the slab for the new garage and tearing up the yard to be able to do that the demolition of the original garage, the pulling out of trees, every single one of those things had, man, that's just not, not the way the results are okay, but the process was miserable. Well, today was garage building day. You know, the slab was uh, um, poured last Saturday, and despite having some rain and et cetera, it really seemed to have dried quite well. So the, the Amish crew came in today. And, and I, I kind of like mockingly online said, well, kind of Amish plus because they're using power tools and they wanted, they asked, you know, for an extension cord power from the house and stuff like that. So I, I guess I enabled their sin, you know, bad, bad Al, you know, Al, Al playing Morningstar for a moment. But having said that, boy, these guys know what they're doing. And they were here at 715 in the, in the course of like now, it's only about, uh, you know, going on five hours. It went from nothing, a blank slab to build the walls, put the walls up. You know, uh, build the joists, put them on, uh, cover things with wall boards, and it's all it all sure seems to be square and true and fitting and correct. There's no, oh, put a little shimmy under there. That's not quite right. You know what I mean? The the, the tar paper went on, then the roof tile went on. We have a, a roof vent across the top so that we'll get reasonable circulation and no condensate. And, like, all the things that we asked for, there's no, that's not the blue that I was looking for. That's not the top to our garage door. And so they're still working on it. It's amazing how you can get quickly the structure up. But then when you start to finish it, it's all the extra things. You know, they're really going to put exactly the whiteboard that is the framing. And then the gutter has to go on that. What's been really cool is, you know, they've done this like hundreds of times before. So they have exact plans. The materials arrived. They cut everything. Either it was already to length of what they were going to do or they cut things. And so nothing, so far as I've been able to tell, and I'm peeking out there all the time, has been jury rigged it's all been very precise and so if you will to bring the geekery aspect into this it's very cool that this thing has i don't know hundreds of pieces parts and yet they really know exactly how to um put them this distance apart square it up to the baseboard the nail gun boof, boof, boof. you know and, and it's not just one it's like boof, 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 boof. it's it's cool the way that they combine human precision plus 
the speed aid of using these various different tools, you, you, you sawing by hand would be ridiculous. Power saw just goes through, through things like butter, and and then like really a barn raising. They score form of the wall. Two guys raise it up, and oh my God, there's the wall to our garage. And it sure looked evenly spaced, and no, it's and I don't know. I'm just super impressed. It isn't only that they know what they're doing. There's this team, and they're like a, a like a beehive. Everyone's got various different activities that they're doing, and then but they suddenly seem to like telepathically go. Time for you to grab another end of that thing and help them up. I'm sure they're talking, but you know what I mean. It just is. There doesn't seem to be interruptivity and awkwardness. It's like a ballet. They all kind of are working on the things, and then they come together when they have to, and then they split off and go do so that there's nobody, there's no like two guys doing the work and three supervisors checking their watches and stuff like that. It's impressive as all hell. You, and, you should have set up a time lapse camera. Uh, I wish I had done that. I yeah. kind of didn't know. I don't want to have them thinking that I'm documenting it or something like that. But I, I, I've, I don't know. I've taken nowhere near enough pictures to show each and every step of the way. But every time I peek out, it's amazing. Not just a little progress, but like, wow, it went from one wall to three walls. And then they got the garage door frame. And now they're, the garage door piece by piece is going up. And now it's actually a closed structure. And yeah. wow. <laughs> the whole, if you look at it from you know the the geek perspective, you know the interesting stuff. The whole yeah. manufacturing process and ability to take some things pre-made, put them together, and you know have enough pre-mades to make a thousand sheds all ready to go, and take what you need exactly. to do with this one, and it speeds it up. And they can like pour the concrete and go somewhere else, and they, you know they really can get it to a fine-tuned machine now. What you've also discovered and what I have found is there's a lot, there's very little care by the individuals that are doing it is what I seem to determine. It's like, yeah, okay, okay. so we tore down your bushes. We got your shed up. Isn't that what you wanted? It, it's almost a stereotype attitude. That's right. Of, yeah, I, I don't, the collateral damage, the not looking at what they're doing except what they're working on, there's definitely been some evidence of that. Yeah. And, and also, these guys really seem to be a team. But in other ways, when we were having the garage work on, the cement mixer guy shows up. Uh, I talk to the guy about, boy, that cement mixer's big, you know, uh, and don't worry, he's not going to um, back it down the driveway because we have these two these buggies that we're going to fill cement into and we're going to roll them back. And then the, and I go inside to, like, get ice for my drink. And the next thing I have is the cement mixer in my kitchen window going past the house. And, like, we, we just talked. We just and, – and then – this is so funny. You know how this works. Then I smell like that beautiful pine scent. And it's like, well, what would cause that? Oh, tearing our, our Arbor Vitae out of the ground and running over it. You know, you release a whole bunch of nice pine scent when you crush it. And so, I, you know, they will replace it. We've already, me and the, not the crew chief, but even the one above that, have had that conversation. And, and it was kind of funny. The first conversation with the crew chief was like, well, we were going to have to kind of get in there to be able to work on your driveway next. It's like, well, I, I, I get getting in there. Getting in there doesn't mean tear our bushes out so that you have it easy. And the indignation, the rising inflection in my voice was enough to have him say, no, I'm sure we're going to repair it. But, you know, I'm trying not to get, you don't want to get mad and then I'm mad at you because then you worry about it. Now, wait. I'll spit on your sandwich. Well, yeah, exactly that. They're going to, you know, hey, someone, you know, hey, you know, there's a nice scent of urine in our concrete or whatever else right. it might be. Nobody seems to have done anything like that. That might not have been fully 
aware of their surroundings, but nobody has done actual incompetence or sabotage so far. And I'm waiting to see when we get out, you know, kind of like sausage making, right? And everybody says, you just don't want to see that done. You want the finished product. You don't want to see the grisly intermediate steps. And we've got a slag heap of extra concrete in our backyard. We've got all the uprooted you know, concrete debris, uh, tree debris, and all that's going to be hauled away. But while it's sitting out there, it really, I mean, it looks just terrible in our backyard, like Beirut kind of bombed out. And of course, it's not anything like Beirut. It, you know, it's it looks torn up where it used to be nice lawn, nice trees, everything in its place. It sure looks like a project and a hole in the ground. And then it, you know, it's mowing <laughs> for right now. I'm sorry. That saves on the mowing for right now. And that's true. <laughs> it was kind of, it was an exercise in once it's torn up, it's like, what does it matter where I put this cinder block? Put it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we've kind of had some of the same experience. Uh, you know, we had our uh, roof put on something like 16, 17 years ago and it's starting okay. to come up and leak. So we had a guy out here. He's like, well, you know, these shingles here are coming up and, they didn't do this underneath, and then you've got your gutters, and they weren't put on properly. We're like, well, what the hell? I'm like, you know, I thought that looked a little janky, but I'm not a roofer. You know, I trust what right. they do. And this guy's like, well, you know, this was kind of slapped together. Well, of course, that company's gone. We, You know, they're right. nowhere to be found. We had somebody uh, do my parents' bedroom, which used to be our at our attached garage. Yeah. and. They, they were supposed to bring a thing for the window. Well, they brought it, and it was like an inch short. It didn't fit right. And then there's another part of the door that was just kind of off, partly because of the house. And they mm -hmm. said, well, here, just take this and put it in there to fix it. But like, no, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, I mean. Honestly. <laughs> it's not been, I understand, you know, the construction. They just seem to, like I mentioned, if we had done this over the last 20, 30 years as computer consultants, we would have been having a lot of angry clients. You know, I've never gotten done with the job and the website's not working. And they're like, well, I guess that's what we got to deal with. They're always like in your face and fix right. it. You know? you know, if anything, I mean, the, the, the we've had some discussion about this. I thought when I've had to use uh, contractors in the past for my home in, in Hoffman Estates in Chicago and now here, it always was, well, talk to a friend that had a really good experience and you hope you're going to find the good plumber the good wood guy, the good roofer, whatever else it might be, but it still was totally a crapshoot. The the coming to be of places like Angie's List were a godsend because it was a reputation website and it really seemed to be authentic clients, you know, provable this was their review. You look for the one that's done 300 driveways and they got a consistent A rating. And then you're thinking, well, Olympic judging, you might throw out the very best and the very worst, but in the overall, I'm going to trust someone that has not five good ratings, but 50 or 500. And so, and also, as we talked about, I think Angie's list is not perfect now because they got bought. And from what I understand, they, they are not only a consumer advocate. They now have it be that where someone got a really bad review written, you can actually, the contractor can like pay to get that stricken. And that makes me doubt them a little bit. I don't think I've totally given up on them because I don't know. I know there's other sites like ServiceNow and other places, but I kind of want to go with the preponderance of historic data over that as soon as shenanigans were available, the really bad contractors started to do it. But if they have 100 bad reviews, really, you paid for 100 bad reviews to be removed? 
maybe you should just like find another line of work, you, right. you, you evil bastards. And, you know what I mean? And so, I know a lot of people were making comments about that you can buy your way onto it and stuff like that. And yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about some of that. I'm like, I could, okay, in the book world, sometimes you'll get a review that gives it a one star because they bought a used copy and the package it came in was ripped from shipping. So then they right. give the book that they don't understand that you're, that's, the, you're telling the author this book sucks and that's exactly. not the, case. the content the actual yes, yes. <laughs> so you can try to get those removed sometimes they will sometimes they won't depends on you know their how good of a day they're having and yeah. then there's also the ones that you can almost prove if you look at the reviewer it's like well look on this same day they re- reviewed 500 different books and gave them all one stars so right. obviously they're trolls and you can exactly. do that too but I do like to see the ones where they're like, well, you know, we weren't happy because this came up and blah, blah, blah. Well, sometimes if you approach who it was, they'll say, oh, well, sorry, we'll come and fix it. And then you can adjust it. And those, I think, are helpful. But exactly. I can I understand removing the ones where people are just being trolls and a-holes about it. <laughs> right. But, and that's, I don't know, when I go on, I don't just look for sheer numbers. I go and read lots of the reviews and I look for the currency of the reviews. Because it's also true that, like, I don't know, I'm in this house for 20 years now. The same people that I might have used for plumbing 20 years ago might be that the guy who was really good is retired, whoever he, his son or his apprentice or whatever it was that he brought in, that maybe there's just not of the high quality. So, like any number of time series data, you don't look, it's never solid state, but you look for it to be on a rising curve, not on a lowering one, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I read for the quality of the review, like you said, if the, someone is just on there saying, uh, you know, I tried calling them. They never called me back. F. And, and you know, like, wow. Um, and often they allow for the reply saying, well, actually, we did call back three times and you didn't pick up. Please remove the bad review. They don't. And yet there's at least an explanation for that. And so in my mind, it might right. be that the average doesn't come to become better. But I discount some of the craziness, the troll reviews, that kind True. of stuff. So, and, and I've really had had good luck with that. You know, we've had... I don't know, the ice maker in our fridge gets fixed and they did it on time for the right price, et cetera, et cetera. Same with electric and plumbing and all kinds of other things. This might be the first, it's the biggest project we've ever taken on, you know, actually building a new garage. And it's my first experience with the way that they can offer reasonable prices for this garage is to have um, kind of assembly line. And anybody who's falling too much, suddenly I'm the crank. You know, because I care about each step of the process, they kind of, I guess they have a lot of experience with people saying, I want this garage. I'll tell you all the specs. Here's how big, here's the color, here's the roof. And then let me know when it's done. Whereas, you know what I mean? I didn't have only those specs. I had having to deal with the city of Lakewood telling me what I can and can't do. I had to deal with, as soon as I knew they didn't take trees out, I had to become the general contractor that worked with the arborist and the tree stump guy and what are we going to do when we're too close to the fence? And how is that going to affect how the garage goes? And so when I had to involve myself, they just haven't been very cooperative on it. You know what I mean? They haven't been forthcoming with information. Right. So if the garage turns out wonderful and after all the sausage making is done, I, I will be in a much better mood. And it looks like it's going to be because the garage sure looks nice now. There's still a whole bunch of driveway pour to happen. And, you know, I got to know for sure that they pitched it right because I don't want water coming towards my house. I want it. Well, down the driveway to the street. I'm going out to the parking lot, whatever else. So they still got a couple chances to get in my good graces. But 
as of the last time I said, so a last thing, um, yesterday, you know, the, the build started today. They've had a number of things where apparently things get drop shipped. You know, it's not the company, Platinum, that is dropping these things off. They deal with the various different um, building materials companies, and they just drop them off. So things were dropped in our front yard, and like with a week to go, it's like, so, sh you know, there's a little bit of a tarp on them, but should I do anything to make sure the tarp doesn't blow off? Because if we get rain and wind, and no replies to any number of calls saying, I'm willing to participate to keep things safe here that are going to be sitting here for a week. They, there was just no reply. Yesterday, some stuff got delivered, a box of connectors and stuff like that, and some panels uh, for, I guess, siding. And where, where'd they put them? On our new driveway. The still driving slab of a driveway. It's like, you God, you know, it, it, and they, uh, <laughs> it was raining these last couple of days. So I moved them off myself. But then underneath, you can see the shadow of where condensation from rain had hit this gathered there. And so it's like, just what you don't want to have happen is any puddling or anything that's going to affect the overall integrity of the concrete. And that's the last thing of, I called them, you know, yesterday, yesterday, yes. First thing in the morning saying, so they just did this. What am I supposed to do? Never a call back. And, you know, I, even the call back to say, um, listen, foolish consumer, don't worry about it. This happens all the time. It's part of the process. They, nobody even called me back to allay my fears. And I don't call sounding hysterical. I call with, so this is what just happened. And I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. Just tell me, just email me. And you, know, you and I also talked about this. What are we in? The era of instant communication. If you're not getting an email or a text or a voice message or something, it's because they don't want to call you, not because they got too busy, not because they couldn't take the 10 seconds to tap away. Don't worry about it. Uh, we'll be we'll be right over. Uh, we'll be there at 930. I've never had an idea when they were coming over, even though they could have texted. When they started off from their house, I'm an hour away. And I think a lot of companies <laughs> miss that that's a necessary thing, that they would be a better, better looked at company just having one person returning phone calls and emails and assuring clients were on schedule for Thursday. We'll be there at 10. And, and just that little bit of info, that one person to do it from their house and get paid part-time or whatever. Would I, I mean, Gina's had a couple surgeries. Jason just had a surgery. And every single time we're getting text messages. All right, we're getting started. Okay. We're about halfway done. And it's like, oh, you know, it, it, you know, we never used to have that, but people are so used to it now. It's like, if you don't have it, you're looked upon poorly. Uh, yeah. and, and as far as what you said about the consumer and that my mother is drives me crazy and I'm dealing with issues now because of <laughs> bad choices and decisions, you know, last 30, 40 years. Uh, okay. She's the one that, well, you know, I just called somebody out of the book and they came and they took care of it. I'm like, well, well were they good? I don't know. I didn't really talk to them. You know, if they say we're going to be here Thursday at 10, they don't show up. She'll, you know, Friday go, well, I don't know if I should call them if they forgot or what's going on. So she'll wait like till the following Wednesday and say, well, you were supposed to be here last Thursday. Did I have it wrong? And they're like, oh, did we miss you? Well, we'll have to reschedule. It'll be three more months. Or they'll say, well, oh, my we God, stuff off. Yeah. She's like, well, yeah, but you dropped it off in a puddle. Uh, I didn't know if I should move it. Well, how long's it been there? A week. <laughs> well, it's ruined. You can't use it now. So it's going to be delayed. And she just gets so wishy-washy about stuff. She hurts herself. Right. And, right. and they take advantage of that, I think. 
I, I think that's really, I mean, that's such a stereotype, but it's really true. You know, the, the elderly, the timid, uh, you know, a, a woman going to a garage is just like waiting for some guy to spin some technological jibber jabber. Oh yeah. Your framistats all something or other. And you know what I mean? It, it's like, like something you used to see on laughing in the sixties, right. but it still happens. There's any number of times when Colleen and I have gone to a garage and the guy is talking only to me, even though we're there together, even though she's got just as intelligent questions as I do, just as much experience as to what she wants to have in this new car, this fixed yeah. car, whatever. And it just, it's really uh, insulting. I can, I can see of course why ladies nowadays are just, we're not having any more of that. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I just, so it, the, a weird thing about this is it wasn't just, hey, it's my preference. I like to know what's going on. I explained to them about we're working from home offices. Of course, it's been COVID. We have regular video conferences. We have a need to have a professional environment. So we need to know where they're going to be here because that's when the windows get closed. The house gets sealed up so that we don't have in the background. And in every way that I could, it wasn't just I'd like it. It was this is really important. Here's why it's important. You should buy into the truth of this. Nope. Couldn't care less. <laughs> yep. Uh. And, and, and it's funny you say that because the roofer guy that was here, I, I like him. Um, he seems like he's doing a good job and, uh, you know, we're probably going to be working with him. But he, originally he showed up and me and Gina weren't here yet. He was talking to my mother and she's the worst to talk to. We don't want her making the decisions because it'll always, it's like, what we say about my mother is there's always a, a good choice A and a eh, maybe okay choice B. So she'll take choice C, the one that nobody else would even consider <laughs> every time. And so we wanted to be here. Well, he was kind of talking to her and she's kind of like, ah, I don't know. And uh, we showed up and he starts talking to me and ignoring Gina and my mom. And Gina doesn't take any of that. She, she was, she was exactly. like, hey, let me ask you about this. And I started like going, hold on. And I turned to her and we discuss it. So. Hopefully he got the message, but it's right. like, I, I, you know, I know as much about this as Gina does. I mean, it's a roof. I hire somebody that knows what they're doing. That's my job, you know? Exactly. You know, it's kind of funny. If you don't mind continuing to talk about this, one of the things that I do with virtually anything is I go read about it a little bit. I look up things so that I understand. So what makes for a good garage and what should I be looking for so that I know that we're getting a, a good quality thing. And then part of that is also you get to learn some of the terminology and so if you're able to ask intelligent questions instead of naive goofball questions, they might actually not think you're only faking it, but that you know what's going on and then they'll treat you better. And so it's been true for my, my doctoring. It's been true for my construction. It's always, you know, when you go as a consultant and you're talking to someone who they're thinking about the website and the database and the, the all the coordination of that, but they're asking questions that let, that let you know that they really don't know what's going on. It isn't that I then take advantage of them, but I know that I really need to explain more so that they understand the reason we're making this decision is this and this, not right. just a whim of mine, but it's because in my experience, this is the way to go. And when you need to explain it to your team, here's how you can do so. Right, right. So that's been the case with the garage. You know, I tried to learn as much as I could about how does it attach and what are the names of the various different pieces and bolts and joists and all that kind of stuff. And not to become a garage expert, but because it just certain it seemed wise to become a canny consumer. You know, we've talked before. I love consumer reports because it gives you the real why of why this dishwasher is better. Here's the various different ways in which dishwashers can be compared. And on balance, this is the one that has all of these 10 features, high marks. 
it isn't because it's olive green, like you remember from your youth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's because it's got the right number of cycles. So I'm hoping that I w we will be a good consumer of this. And, and not, I'll put this on our horizon. The next big project we have is we have an older kitchen, and we're going to get a newer kitchen probably next year. So we're saving up for that. And, of course, we're taking that year to look at what are the current countertop styles? What are the current drawer technologies? You know, you can have those cool auto-closing drawers and you can have the cool corner thing that the whole thing rotates out. So it's not that whole back corner is lost, but that you can actually get to stuff. Well, I want to be a, a good consumer of that as well. And and even though our, you know, our house has, wow, our house is a hundred years old. And so it's got a little bit, perhaps like yours, multiple people have worked on it over the course of time. So you're already saying, well, I'm going to do this project. And then I'm going to have to build in an additional 20% for when they open the drop ceiling up and say, oh, my God. And, you know, what were they hiding with that drop ceiling? Was it water damage, fire damage, just old kind of peeling paint, rotty wood? What does it now cost to get all that crap cleaned up and make it pretty, <laughs> prettier than it is right now? So it's, it's kind of cool because I like doing these kinds of things. I like projects. I like the planning of it and the execution of it and all that kind of stuff. I just want it to be that it's not only a pain in the butt, that it's a satisfying thing. You know, honestly, when I've been on, you know, any number of things I, as a consultant, you're hardly ever solo. You're often on a team. And when you find out that everybody on your team really knows what they're doing, you've got great coders and great QA and great database people and great web front end and great middle, all of it, who's going to work on the app? that you don't have any weak links. It's just like this perfect humming machine. And it's very satisfying to be part of that machine. If anything, you don't want to be the weak link. You know what I mean? If if I'm, uh, I don't know, that's what I like. I like to see that level of competence. And when I was doing consulting back in Chicago, there's any number of times where you're about a quarter in out of a year project and you're aware of where the weak link is and you're kind of having to negotiate for, you, you know, you, provider, uh, the, the, the body shop, the contractor, you're going to need to get backup for this guy, maybe even replacement because he's perpetually falling behind. We will not risk this project not getting done because you've given us a clink. You know what I mean? And, and you need to be able to explain why it's not just because, Hey, we're all Pepsi men and he drinks Coke. It really is. Here's kind of the provable every single week he falls behind and they fall behind a little bit more. And they're not, I don't see them coming in to try to fix that. Oh, well, oh, well, that's been awkward, but it's necessary. Kind of like just back in high school when you had a big team project. And really, you're going to be the one that tries to sit in a rocking chair while we all do the work? No, get off your butt and yeah. get in, do your sectional uh, report. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I have a lot of stories about that uh, yeah. from their last yeah. couple of years of school. And, you know, <laughs> we, our kitchen, definitely, oh, my God, our kitchen needs so upgrade repair there's unused space space used poorly all sorts of things but yeah. my biggest dream for our kitchen is that the kids would wipe up their own messes <laughs> it's a simple dream i understand exactly <laughs> so you know uh, I, it colleen and i living alone and this is very funny it's, it can't be the cat or the dog it can't be the kids it's one of the other of us right. and so when there is something that's like you know, so maybe putting it into the dishwasher would be okay. You know what I mean? Instead of I tried to put something down and there was no counter space left. And we each have our times of doing that. But but someone is more that way than the other. There's always like a, a neater one and a, 
not even messier, but just they've moved on to the next thing. They're not right. thinking. And so a lot of times I don't mind. I'm the guy that tends to put things away and everything in its place and, and kind of keep it neat. And most of the time I don't mind. But like what I just said, when I come in with groceries from Costco and there's no place to put them down, it's like, you know, uh, a, a better standard would be that there's at least one open counter. It doesn't have to be everywhere, but just see the size of this box. I'd like all the time to be able to bring a box into the house and put it down without having to juggle on one arm while I move things. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, what, one of our struggles recently is uh, the refrigerator. We do not have – where the refrigerator is at is not the best spot. and we, We've got plans on where to move them. But it's a little narrower and it's a little shorter, so you have a little less room. And we have a refrigerator out in the sunroom. So you can put stuff out there. And I noticed one day my poor mother, she's taking care of my father, who's basically bed bound. So she goes out to the bedroom, comes into the house, goes out to the sunroom, comes into the house. Goes out to the, she's always up and down the steps and out there. And I'm like, why are you going in and out so much? She said, well, I have to get all the stuff out of the fridge. I'm like, why the hell is the 72-year-old lady being the one to walk up and down the steps and go outside all the time? And I open the fridge and I see kids leftovers and kids boxes and kids drink things. I'm like, so I made a rule. If you're under 50, your stuff goes out in the fridge outside. End of story. And they resist it. You can do the extra walking. Yeah. There you go. They exactly. do not like that. And I'm like, really, all you guys are making the 72 year old woman do this. Come on. So that, but we do know we got it. I mean, they, we have like an Island uh, counter, like a breakfast counter that sticks yeah. out and then it's connected to the cupboards and, we have these really deep cupboards that you can't see into and you can't see all the way back. Well, my father built all of that when we moved in the house uh, wow. years ago. Yeah. Father is not a construction. <laughs> he, he just, okay. he did, well, this looks good and this is a lot of space, but it's not really well used. And we've got perfectly practical. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we want to rip a lot of it out. We want to move the stove and refrigerator to a better spot. You know, we, we have some plans, but I mean, get a roof, uh, you know, we just had our driveways and gravel. So it's like so many things need fixed that it's a constant battle. And, you know, right. our that pole building is falling apart and I've got to get some stuff out of there. And we got to get rid of that, get it knocked down, hauled away. And it's just okay. one thing after another. I'm playing catch up more than re re redoing. Yeah, we, we have a taste of that. You know, besides this big garage project, we had. We needed a new water heater. We needed to upgrade the electrical panel so we could run power out to the garage and have our garage door opener work. Um, we had a, our windshield got cracked. You know, a, a rock jumped up, hit it, and instead of just being a chip, it started. And so, you know, all those, <laughs> if you already think, wow, I'm really in, you know, I signed a contract for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, more, more than you usually spend on this kind of stuff in a year, and then keep throwing another 500, another 500 on the pile, and after a while, it's like, okay, we, we really need to like watch what we're doing on Amazon, watch what we're doing <laughs> for grocery shopping. We are not at all profligate spenders. We really are pretty aware of what our budget is and stuff like that. And yet when things get tight, we're willing to tighten the belt. When they get so tight that we're like, okay, you know, we besides what we already got obligated for our utilities and stuff like that, we got like an extra 180 bucks this two weeks. And we usually are nowhere near that close. And so that's an indication of, check every day we don't want to get any uh, how long has it been since as an adult you bounce a check we try to not be in that right. 
track of, you know, like, I don't know, because we do a lot of things on the basis of regular uh, automatic withdrawal. We know we have all those scheduled. And then the once a year renewal of Microsoft Office will hit. And that's like, wow, now we're suddenly tight. So reason for saying all that is that we're just, we're, we're having to watch and be careful. And like whatever we were planning on, as soon as it's, you know, out of the COVID uh, uh, hibernation, are we doing a vacation? Are we visiting mom and dad, et cetera, et cetera? No, we still got to be careful until the garage project's done. And we really know last amount, last check, all that kind of stuff. Let's be careful because I don't want to be on vacation when I get, oh, we forgot about the um, ISP renewal. And it, you know, I remember I just changed it from monthly to yearly. So now instead of it being, it's a 12 times the amount and bam, damn it. (laughs) You have to mention the watching the budget, not buying so much on Amazon. You have to mention that on prime days, don't you? (laughs) See, exactly. (laughs) We really, I think it's, this is a sweeping statement, but it's really true. There's next to nothing nowadays that I have to have. I have a whole bunch of stuff on my wish list. I have a whole bunch of authors that I follow and groups that I like the music of and that kind of stuff. But there's virtually nothing that I am champing at the bit to have because I need it so much. And that's because I have so much already or because I there's so much things that it's part of a service. And so I don't need to worry about when am I going to get for my next Simpsons episode. I've got 30 seasons of that available by uh, HBO Max or Disney Plus. I forget which. And, and so I guess that that's you know, already this profusion of what we've got makes it that I can go to the library and get for free and whatever else it might be. Right. And yet I have habits for, I kind of want, so I, I've talked about this before. Here's a geek thing. <laughs> I, everybody gets change. I still deal with a certain amount of cash from going to the grocery store or going to the fast food or whatever else it might be. I take my quarters and I put them in a little container in my car because we still have enough meters in Lakewood and I like to have that. Right. All the rest of my change, I put in a, a like a, a glass vase. And then when they get to a certain level, it's like, oh, time to go to Coinstar. You know, there's this machine at the grocery store yeah. that if you take it in and turn it into cash, it robs you. It's like 10% or something yeah. like that. Well, but what I do is I turn it into an Amazon gift certificate, and that doesn't it doesn't cost anything. Right. And if I wait long enough, the Amazon gift certificate is like 50 or 75 bucks. And then... The things that I really want, but I kind of don't want to spend that amount of money. I kind of want somebody to give it to me as a gift. There's a whole little list of, I really want that Frank Zappa box set, but it's 75 bucks. And am I going to wait for Christmas? Am I, is someone even going to be willing to give me that as a gift? Maybe Colleen would. But once in a while, it's like, this is found money. It's just changed. I had kind of, I just, it, it was as if it hit the floor and I happened to find it under the couch. You know what I mean? It's the same thing they do. It's the same thing they do at a lot of places now with the roundup. You know, it's seven eighty nine. Do you want to round that up and donate the eleven cents? You know, exactly. Advantage so, of that. And that, but in this case, I guess I'm donating to me. You right. know what I mean? And and so sometimes it's uh, I get one big thing, but other times I got a whole bunch of stuff that I've had kind of on my wish list, and I wait for the market. It came out at fifteen bucks for the CD, but hey, finally it's down to like that seven dollar magic point. And it's amazing if you have $100 worth of that, you can get like 10, 11, 12, 13 things. And then it's Christmas coming yeah. to your house via Amazon boxes. Yes. And it's just so weirdly satisfying to be able to get all those little bargains for free because it really was found money. And like I said, that's just a, a silly geeky thing that I've done probably 10 times now to like, wow, I, I really wanted to get that latest Ian Anderson 
um, Homo Erraticus CD, but it never came down from 15 bucks. And I just have a problem with that. But if you got found money, it's like that, that Ian Anderson or Jethro Tull, that Marillion, those things that they don't seem to go on sale because the market for them in particular doesn't I seem demand. to be based on demand. It's, it's based on just he puts them out every once in a while and there's a small, whatever it might be, they don't go to the cutout bid. They never come down to the $7 level. And so I have to say, oh, I really, really, really <laughs> want that next Steve Hackett album. And I'm fine. <laughs> so in this case, it turned into gifts for Colleen. You know what I mean? Her birthday is coming up. And so instead of my sounding like I'm just even more of a hoarder and a pack rat than I am, <laughs> it's very nice to say I've had ideas for what to get for her. And it was like cool to pull the trigger on this book and this music and this shirt and things like that. I, I got a lot of, I don't know. It's kind of, we do, we do birthdays for each other pretty well. There's nice. always a like, little table of gifties, you know what I mean? Yes. And, <laughs> well, I, I did look at the prime days uh, and I splurged a little, not much. Uh, I upgraded my Kindle uh, from the seven to an eight inch um, better processor, like double the internal memory. Um, mm -hmm. And I use my Kindle almost every day. I read on it. I play music sure. on it. I listen to audio books and podcasts. And this one's, I don't know, it, I'll hit something and it literally will take up to two minutes for it to load and show on the screen. So, And, I don't, and that's worth taking that time back into your life. It's yeah. worth a certain amount of money. Exactly. Yeah. And, so what, and, does new Kindle, what does a new Kindle go for? Like 300, 100? Are they, are they very reasonably priced? Well, I could see why an Apple person would think those price points. Uh, <laughs> okay. Here, here, here's my quick review on the difference between the tablets, between the Alexa, Amazon Fire tablets and the Kindle, or I mean, I'm sorry, and the uh, Apple tablets. Apple tablets, we know what they do. They're very, very closed box, so they have that good experience. But if you can't get the app on it, then you're not going to be able to just put files on there and stuff. It's hard to do that. Um, but it gives you that experience. And we've got an iPad. I love it. It, it has everything I could ever want. Right. The uh, Amazon tablets do not have half of that. Uh, you cannot get most of those apps. It's very few and far between. But it is an Android type tablet. So I can store files on there, use it as a file transfer. Mm -hmm. I can put my own music on there easier. I don't have to go through iTunes and stuff like that. Um, but they do not run as speedily as iPads usually do. But, uh, and the battery does not last nearly as long as an iPad would last. I mean, I've still, I've got an iPad that's eight years old and the charge will still last an hour and a half on full screen games. Okay. Uh, whereas the iPad, as long as I have the screen off, I can listen to it while mowing. But if I'm watching something, it's almost dead battery. So it's, but it's a lot cheaper. So I got an eight inch iPad with 64 gigs of internal memory and, and an SD card that I could stick in. Um, and Apple, you can't, uh, you know, expand. So not an iPad, but a, a, a Kindle. Yes, a Kindle. Sorry. Okay. okay. Right. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Kindle. Um, actually, the Fire tablet, not an okay. actual Kindle, because the Kindle are dedicated reading devices, Fire tablets have apps that you can okay. also run the Kindle app. Um, but I got in prime days, a uh, 64 gig, eight inch was 65 bucks. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. 
you know, for all I use it for. And the way I figured if it lasts a year and a half and before it's starting to die, I'll have used it every day, reading, playing music and podcasting. Um, yeah. But I did also upgrade uh, my smartwatch. So okay. I've, they got the newest Fitbit that just came out and it pretty much has the same features as the Apple watch as comparing them. And it was uh, uh, like $110 off. So I got it for uh, 200, less than 200 bucks. So I'm like, okay. okay, I'm good with that. Very cool. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it, it has always been like that, that I've always thought that the trade-off of getting something that does everything excellently was worth an extra hundred bucks, an extra $300. My time is very valuable. You know what I mean? And, and like and in comparison to the rest of the world, you know what I mean? I've been a high powered consultant for a long time. And so if I really save time and if I am more efficient and, and everything about what I do with my life, I was willing to invest, if you will, pay more because I didn't want to get, well, it, it isn't, um, fully featured. It doesn't have, like, I don't know what, what you just said. Interesting. The reverse of what can an iPad do? It used to be for Mac versus Windows that, that even though it's a closed environment, there are many, many, many more high quality apps yes. for the iPad environment than there are in the Google store, in the Android store. Absolutely. And it, it's not only the volume of them, but the quality of how Apple curates them and make sure there's no malware and make sure that they really will work on multiple levels of the box. I'm, I'm willing, that's part of what I pay for is I like the safety and the quality of whatever I'm getting. Um, it, it, it has always been worth that extra stuff. I really, so I just that I, w- I will probably never get a Fitbit as compared to an Apple Watch because it does all the health things, but a Fitbit has nowhere near the functionality of an Apple Watch. True. You know what I mean? But, so and I really do make use of those things. I make use of the little maps or the little communications or the, um, and, and the health kit stuff is really persuasive. That's why I want to upgrade my Apple Watch because I, as we talked about, I like, hey, when it gets to where it really is checking your heart rate and your blood sugar level and your, you know, your your your, your tooth cavities, whatever it's going to be able to do eventually, right. your we wobble compare, walk. <laughs> Maybe next week or the week after when I get this Fitbit, we should compare what all the features are because uh, okay. looking at this new one, it does mm-hmm. do the oxygen sensor. It does the heart rate. It does right. the ECG. You can put your fingers on it and get the uh, single lead ECG. Um, yeah. It does it. What one of the things that I I mean, it'll connect with Messenger. It'll connect with the phone and play music. It does all that. But the one thing I did see the Apple Watch had was it'll do maps, and the Fitbit okay. doesn't do the maps. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it had almost all the features. Uh, yeah. So I'm I really getting, it's kind of funny. I don't know that I seek it out, but I'm really getting spoiled by how well the Apple things talk to each other. By that meaning, if I have my phone in my pocket, my watch will start giving me turn by turn directions. Not that my phone has to be up on my dashboard, right. but it'll come in and, and like it, it will tell you, you know, turn left at the intersection, turn left, right? And it actually will have like a boop, beep, boop, beep versus a beep, boop, beep, boop for left versus right. Oh, cool. And it has haptic feedback where it, you can, it's just they've done a whole bunch of smart things for how it integrates the experiences and and you can turn it off so it's not like I don't want it telling me I don't want to be distracted by my watch talking to me I really just want to drive so I like the fact that they give me all this extra power but I can still tune it I am continually like I don't know delighted by 
all the ways in which Apple does integration and learning my style more and more instead of my having to learn the style of the device, it keeps on like uh, customizing itself to me. And that's very, very handy. I, I would probably, just a, a generalization, would say the latest Fitbit is equivalent to either last year or the year before Apple Watch. And it might be. The, mm-hmm. the, uh, but like the, the tablets, the Kindle tablet, I still don't think it's equivalent to several years back of iPads. Right. Uh, I think the but iPad five bucks is sixty five bucks. That's an amazing price. There's a lot, yeah. yeah. But but for what I do, it's exactly what I need. Yeah. Uh, and I'm honestly wondering if I made a mistake going with eight inches rather than seven, because the seven is a little too big to just easily stick in your pocket. But it sticks in a back pocket really really well. Eight okay. inch or not. So if I'm out mowing or something, I still can carry the seven inch with me. Uh, whereas the eight inch, I'm going to strap it to my chest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but both of those are better than you know the iPad, <laughs> that big clunky right. iPad. <laughs> they do have the minis, but uh, since on the iPad I, I'll read digital comic books and graphic books more, I wanted the screen. Exactly, and that's probably I'm going to end up doing that. I also have an older iPad. And I've been trying to, you know, I keep it updated as far as it will go, but it can't take the latest operating system. And when I think of, is it exactly the same form factor as a comic book? It's not. And I like, I want that bigger thing. I want, you know, I, I, I still read comic books. I still read graphic novels and they're at that right size. You know, that's what I think of as the size. And when it goes down to like digest size, or it's just that, even that little inch smaller where the font's smaller and it doesn't, a big splash panel doesn't have the same impact at a smaller size, whatever else it might be. I just have my druthers, I guess. I have my habits. I probably will get a tablet that is the biggest I can get so that I can read. Because I got a Comixology subscription, you know what I mean? And that's, uh, I don't know, another one of those amazing things that, I don't even know, that's maybe 60 bucks uh, a year, five bucks a month for not every comic coming out, but so many of so much variety that I will never run out of things to read, even if it's not the exact latest, greatest from DC, Marvel, Top Cow, Image, whatever else it might be. Right. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and um, the Kindle definitely is not as good to read the comics on. And the app isn't as good. I mean, there's better apps. Okay. Um, so, no, it just, it, it um, I did just get piles, piles of graphic novels and comic collections by going to local libraries. You know, now that we really are coming out of COVID-45 hibernation, it was a delight, even with the mask on still, but to be able to go to the library. And they had done some restocking over the course of the past year and a half. You know, once in a while, when you go month by month, you just don't notice that it really, they're building the collection. Whereas if you take a year off in between, wow, they got all things I've never seen before, like it's not Guardians of the Galaxy, it's as Guardians of the Galaxy. So yay for having, you know, Valkyrie and whoever else. It and probably um, also was more people return things than check things out. So you might have been seeing more returns. Just more on the shelf. Yeah. Exactly. Um the Immortal Hulk, you know, they're doing new changes with the Hulk, where it's not just that he was created by gamma radiation, but there's kind of a mystical component and that the Hulk might be one of the many great beasts that came through the green door. And so it's like a horror title. And I, I had read little bits about that, but now I got a whole bunch of those things to read, caught up on some old Constantine, not not only justice league, but justice league dark that, and I don't know. I'm just that there's um, 
they experience of my laying in bed for the last hour of the day reading comic books. It doesn't need any improvement. My having a paper thing in my hand and, you know what I mean, being able to just kind of like rest that, that little weight on my chest instead of the weight of a tablet, you get that little crease in your chest muscles because you do that for an hour and it whatever else it might be, I'm very happy. Once in a while, I've, I've read a whole bunch of different books. I've been doing all my, whatever my computing, that it's just kind of go back to old school to go back to like, I this is, I so much love this. I just love this size and this smell of the paper you know what it's all the experience it's cool (laughs) but to be fair the weight i find is mostly the cover or case that you put on it once you take that off you're like wow this is extremely light (laughs) exactly it really is a pocket filler instead of i see what you're saying exactly so so um were these books that you were always interested in or did you grab stuff that you're like well i wouldn't normally read this but why not it was that combination. I mean, I really, we went to, uh, let's see, uh, Bay City, no, sorry, Bay Village and Avon Lake, Rocky River, West Lake, you know, all the suburbs stretching west from here. And some of them are, they're the individual villages thing. Sometimes they're associated with the Cuyahoga County Public Library yeah. System, but they all had various different things. Some, like Rocky River seems to really specialize in like more adult comics. By that meaning, not, oh, naughty, but like more, um, philosophical, more foreign, more, they, they're just, they're really literature instead of Biff Bam Pow, whereas Westlake has a, like a whole section of, here's all the Flash and all the Justice League and all the Spider-Man and all the Avengers. You know, they really have that, whatever that thing is of adults who are still kids and stuff like that. And while I'm browsing, I'm always not just looking for anything in particular. I'm kind of going through A to Z. And so it's like, Eclipse, what's that about? Pull it out, you know, look at it. I've never heard of it before. Um, looks pretty good. Four issue adventure, you know, and captured in a graphic novel. And so a, a number of things. I read some lock and key, not this time, but a previous time. That's by Joe Hill, if I remember yes. right, who is, I really like his work, you know, secretly Stephen King's son, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and um, I'm trying to think a couple other a Harlan Ellison book called Seven Against Chaos that I don't know that he's written for comic books for a long, long time. But somehow he came out with this. I'm not even sure that he came out with it recently. It might be from 2010, all, all I know. Yeah, but I haven't discovered this until now. So, and some, hardly anything am I rereading. Um, but it was also like, um, here's the current Catwoman. Here's the current Hellblazer, John Constantine. Um, I'm curious as to what their latest adventures are. So, and when they have like volumes one through five, it's like, good, there'll be some real meat. Right, right. Oh, look. And- volume two and six (laughs) and that exactly i made a point of where they were going to frustrate me in that way i didn't even pick up any of those if i really could get one through five or something i i got them all because i really wanted to have that deep immersion for certain titles so justice league and justice league dark and uh um, there were a couple there was at least one other that there was a long run that i wanted to that i'm looking forward to reading um oh some new conan you know what I mean? We're like, and, and it's kind of funny. I'm learning some of the new authors who I really like. It's not only, if you will, all my old friends, the Alan Moores and stuff, but I really like like Jason Aaron and Jim Hickman. Um, and a couple of them where I'm starting to trust their names and their work enough. Tom King, Scott Snyder, you know, they had a real good run on Batman. Now they're doing something else. I wonder if they can handle something not Batman. And I, I've always been like that, that I more follow authors than artists, but Sometimes it really is, I don't know, George Perez still, he's not doing that much anymore, really, 
beautiful work. And anything I've ever read of his, it was just like, it's a pleasure to be looking at the pretty pictures, no matter who he was working with as an author. He really, um, I'm trying to think, there's a couple others. I really like David Finch. Finch? Fincher? I think it's, I think it's Finch because Fincher is the movie director, <laughs> right? Um, so I, and, and in some cases, it really was like, wow, I know nothing about this except the premise is cool. You know what I mean? I, so I love that. Why not, not give myself, you know, it's going to take me an hour to read the, again, a four-issue collection, and it's, um, I don't know, it's a b- vampire biker gang. And, and why not? You know what right, I mean? Right. Why not? <laughs> right. Well, uh, let me throw First of all, I went to Adam's comic shop. He had a dollar sale a couple okay. weekends ago for the holiday weekend. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. It's got like a whole run. I'll take it. So I got uh, Kevin Smith did The Bionic Man like 10 years oh, ago. Oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, oh, I'll take those. Uh, uh, Kurt Sutter, who did Sons of Anarchy, he had okay. a comic book series. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll take that. Of course, it's missing issue five out of six. So now I have to find that one stupid issue. Right, right. Uh, but I got a whole box. Uh, I mean, I spent, I think, like $100, but I got 100 very unique comics. Four buck each, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think, actually, I, it was like 111 He just gave it to me for... Um, right. But to let you know, um, have you seen the Norse mythology series that's out? It's a, it's done by Gaiman. So I, I, it's, I've have, I have the book. I didn't okay. know it was a series, but I, I, and it's funny. I think I got it for like Christmas and now it's June and I haven't started to read it yet, which I don't know why, because everything else, Neil Gaiman, I've devoured the moment right. I got it. Right. So well, okay. they, they made it into a comic book series. Uh, okay. And the artist uh, has been several. Uh, PK, P. Craig Russell has been one of them. I uh, love his work. You know, he lives in Kent, right? I never knew that. No. Yeah, he lives I mean, right in Kent. For certain things, for like the, the, the fairy artwork, if you will, you know, he did some great swamp things. He, he was fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know he lived in Kent. That's yeah. very cool. Well, okay. and Matt Horak also has done some okay. stuff for that series. He lives a um, little ways east of here toward Junkstown or so. Uh, okay. He's the one that Colin got customized Spider-Man cover. That's Christmas. very cool. Yeah. Well, to let you know, if you want to dig through your pull out your comic list and look up artists, uh, Matt Horak and P. Craig Russell are going to be at Adam's Comic Shop this Saturday doing signing. And P. Craig Russell does like three, four every decade. So this is one of the few chances. So if you have some old Elric or any of the Norse mythology and you want signed, I'm down to Adam's comic shop this weekend. I, I do indeed have all the Elric of Melnibides. I mean, so that's, I, wow. That, so I think that we don't have anything going on Saturday. So I really could come zooming down. There you go. Colin that's will be cool. there. Uh, all he's right. all excited. Oh man. He, he was like, I don't know what, I have too many things. He's like, what should I get? He's just, uh, you know, going kind of crazy. Uh, my friend, See, Reese, what I, want to do. I yeah. don't want to go and put like a stack of stuff in front of the guy. I want to pick, Here's the three things that yeah. I would love for you to sign because these are I so perfect love. representatively of your work. Yes. You know what I mean? So absolutely. Actually, I, I kind of want to just say thanks. Yeah. I hardly ever go to get signatures. I'm just like, I just want to like be near you because I've loved your work <laughs> for 40 years. Yeah. And now I actually know you exist, that you're not just a numb bloom. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and it, you know, if, the it, table. 
if I was an artist, that's what I would want, you know? Because honestly, to me, signatures don't mean a whole lot. It's like, okay, great, they signed it. I, I've purchased things where someone signed it and I never met them. I would right. rather meet them, which is why uh, I talk about the time I went to that uh, paranormal convention and met Dean Haglund. And there was only 21 people at the whole thing. So I got yeah. to talk to this guy for like an hour, you know, yeah. and he's, I'm going to t another convention in August. He's going to be at, so I'm super excited. Um, but cool. yeah, you know, just chat with them is the best thing. Yeah. And in fact, you know, like I said, now that, now that the world is opening up again, we're probably going to go, I think we're going to go to the Fump, which is the funny music project fest that's in Chicago. And every, every week they seem to be adding more people that I really like want to hear want to get a CD from, want to be able just to be in the room with them. What about a whole bunch of Carla Albrecht? We're not going into the names. It really is just everyone's very hungry for this. Yeah. Everyone's very hungry to come out of hibernation. And and the people that do that, they're all very chummy. They're not competitive. They actually like yeah. love each other's company. You know, who, who doesn't want to be in a room full of smart, verbally witty, kind of crazy people? It's just right. a delight. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, like, like you've shown... <laughs> You, you don't go just to see the one artist and buy just that one CD. You're, you're picking and buying, and everybody gets from several. So just yeah. because I put out a song and an album doesn't take away from all the other guys. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. Same with exactly. books and all sorts of things. <laughs> so. All right. Well, hey, I think we've been running long. Okay. A, a little bit, as always. but yeah. uh, That's okay. okay. You need to check your garage. I heard a beep beep while we were talking at one point. So. <laughs> It's uh, you know, I uh, other people have told me that they really were like done by one o'clock, so I'll have to see if it really is the magic by then. If they take the whole day, that's okay too. Maybe we got a bigger one than usual, whatever else it might be. I'll give you a report about that next week, and then as usual, we've got you know, what's our favorite things we've been reading? It's the halfway point. So, Colleen and I actually were talking about that the other day. What's the best thing you've read this year, or seen, or listened to? And that's uh, a lot of people do kind of end of the year lists and that kind of stuff, but. It was just a nice thing to say in the middle of still having to like be at home, man, I've been listening to more Spock's beard than usual. Somehow they're really growing on me. When I re-listen to them, they like find new good things instead of being just the comfort of something I've heard before. And old Kansas, I still like, and whatever else it might be, you know? So well, I discovered a new author, uh, which mm -hmm. I'd heard before, but I actually read some NK Jemison. You read any? She's great. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. The, 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 um, that, is that the 10,000? Uh, inheritance trilogy. Yeah, it, 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 where it's it's you know there's an island nation that actually kind of runs the rest of the world. Anyway, there's I think she's done a trilogy and then maybe multiple others, but yeah. very creative yes. and very much the modern science fiction where there's real cultural elements and there's it's not just about hey what zippy weaponry can you talk about? It's very much about how do the classes work with each other, the under, the over, the outcast. It's they're they're very current and topical while not having to be about current and topical in the right. real world. So you defend somebody, and she has a really nice one. flowing style, yes, which I really like. Uh, and just and, and this is we've talked a little bit about this. You know, for us, we're middle aged white guys, so we can't say shit about anybody. <laughs> so I had heard N.K. Jemison from a couple of the people I interviewed on my podcast. Yes. And it was just, I mean, I, I get new lists every week of good authors. Uh, it was just one of the names on my list. Well, I actually had something put in front of me and read and loved it, looked this person up, didn't know yeah. anything about them. You know, oh, I love this writing. Well, it turns out 
she writes sci-fi and she's black and female, which, you know, my point is I didn't care shit about that. I loved her writing and stories. I didn't care, you know, what color she was or what gender or anything like that. And I'm just pounding that in my head because too many times uh, I think people get so wanting to argue about this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, I don't care. Did it, was right. it good? It's was it interesting? That matters. That's right. Yeah. Was it a good read? Did it have good characters? And then finding out that the author happens to be male, female, you know, human, primate, whatever else it might be. It just, it's, it is funny to short circuit a lot of that. Well, there's so much identity politics now. There's so much kind of like staying true to your tribe or something like that. Yeah. I've always thought my tribe was like readers, that it was just That's right. people in general. Well, I didn't get to meet Lithuanian science fiction. You know what I mean? I, I would read that. I, I, I've got some Amish science fiction, Amish vampires in space. Okay. So, um, but, but it's, you get those people that like, well, you know, NK Jemison's the best. We love her writing. If you don't think so, you're wrong. We're going to, uh, you know, attack you. And it's like, my gosh, we're not playing a video game here, folks. I cannot like somebody and it doesn't have to be about their skin color or gender or whatever right. else. Or you know, <laughs> socioeconomic background or whatever. Exactly. I can like something or not like it because of the writing. There, there have been a couple things that I've tried and not liked, and again, didn't know who they were going in or out. But then got into a discussion, and luckily, before I talked about how I found them shallow, unimaginative, whatever I didn't like about them, and someone said the reason they liked them was for all those signifiers that you just talked about. Instead of, oh, did you like the book? Did you like the work of it? I was able to avoid kind of the fight because the fight wasn't about the book. It wasn't about the quality of the work. And, and I don't know, I'm, I know that there have been factors that kept women out of science fiction for a long time. You know, not only like you can start naming the well-known lady science fiction authors or where they went by initials instead of a known Ursula type first name because they kind of had to hide their identity, which is the saddest thing in the world. So I'm very much about making inroads and making sure there's opportunities afforded and that kind of stuff. Have I read books that I really thought, oh, this is a, a, a chick book, you can tell. No, I thought there was all kinds of things that were as daring do, as very, as science fiction-y, as fantasy, as anything I've ever read, and it never occurred to me, it really didn't ever occur to me to, like, I should check out whether they're male or female to decide whether I like them right. or not. Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, or ethnicity, or culture, yeah. or, you know what I mean? Once in a while... I'll read Australian science fiction, and it really is, well, this is really Australian. Yeah. You know what I mean? They really, there's a, a way of thinking about the world or the language that they're using or that, it, and even just by, if it's set there, and it's very much a sense of place, just like, well, this is really Brooklyn science fiction. This is really Hawaiian science fiction. Right. If they keep talking about it, you know, if you keep on mentioning poi and pineapple, I get it. You're in Hawaii. I yeah. get it. Well, for the podcast, I, I find books that look interesting and then contact the author and interview them. Well, after I do that is when I find out sometimes, is it a guy or a girl? Are they white, black, red, yellow? What country are they in? I've interviewed people from from like 10, 12 different countries in the world. You, I don't man. even know that when I contact them. Yeah. I, I interviewed a lady that was talking and she goes, my wife, I didn't know you were a lesbian didn't matter you know exactly <laughs> so uh Good for you. i mean maybe that isn't that like the, the real like post prejudice world we want to live in that it wasn't 
we were prejudiced and then we got anti-prejudiced. And so you kind of had to do still tilt the other way. And instead where it just never mattered. I, 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 I really hope that I'm like that in a lot of ways. It has never mattered to me for all my authors or writers or something like that. If they were musicians, any, any of those artists. things, sometimes you can't help it. Like if the guy's a great bluesman because he happens to be black and lived in new Orleans and all that kind of stuff, then I can see how that kind of got into his bones. You know what I mean? It really right. made him a lot of what he is, but, but there's no guarantee that, uh, you can't be a great bluesman because you happen to be a 15 year old white guy like Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Right. Oh, did great. From Australia, I believe, yeah. wasn't it? You know, I just, it's, so I guess, I don't know. I, uh, have we, uh, I really have a, <laughs> so, um, Bonnie Raitt is beautiful and a fantastic artist and has a long career and all those things that are like in defiance of. She's like a redheaded lady amongst the Lightning Hopkins old style bluesmen. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And she just decided it's not going to matter. I'm going to I'm going to learn slide guitar from these guys, and they must have been amused by. Well, sure, you know we we've we've never had anyone like you around here before, so there must have been a certain amount of that of just like the novelty right. of it. You know what I but mean? She turned out pretty good. <laughs> exactly, and and it turned out that it wasn't just that she dabbled and like faked it. No, she's actually a great player and a great singer and, and has that spirit of the blues. You know what I mean? So many of her songs have that essence of like singing away your pain or sharing your pain with others so that they can get past it too. You know what I mean? So, wow. She's one, great. one of the <laughs> things along this line that I've argued, not argued, but heated debates with my kids because yeah. they want to pound the, the gay pride rights or the, the racist, you know, uh, cops and just the diversity and the inclusion, they want to pound it into people. I'm like, but you know what? When you keep pointing it out and you keep pushing at it, you're making the problem just as worse as everybody who was a racist or something. I know you need to get that. I don't that. think that's entirely right, but it isn't, it's definitely more confrontational than, than, peacemaking i guess exactly i mean i understand you need to get it in front of people and you need to get the awareness and get that but when you've got something that's you know starting to be changed and accepted but you keep pushing at it and pointing it out to, that it this is different this is then it, it does make it to where it, it's a constant flare-up constantly got people bickering you know once things die down a little bit and it's just accepted there's no longer the conflict but there's also no longer the question of how we're thinking and right. i know that's that's a long-term thing that's not something that's just going to happen one time and i know you know history has shown sometimes you need that conflict to make that change right uh, I, I just for me personally I, I don't know maybe i'm old or whatever i just not on the right side of it but I get tired of constantly battling about race when I'm not uh, affected in the negative way. You know, if, if I'm talking to somebody, you know, like I said, these authors, you know, when I first talk to a lot of them, it's through email and I have not seen a picture of them. I don't know anything about them. Sometimes it's a letter E and a last name. So I have no idea about them at all. Right. Right. And, and and I don't care. And I still sit down and talk to him. And it's never like, oh, 
and realize you were a black lady. Well, hold on. It's never an issue of that, you know, right, and, right. and maybe it's just me, but you know, it's just the constant let's, let's post something. Let's argue with somebody. Let's fight about this is just making it just as worse without getting to the next stage of the res- yeah. resolution. It's I, so I, boy, I know we're going on a little bit, but yeah. I'm, I kind of like am of multiple minds on this. One of the things I've always thought, like to be uh, being geeky, I'm very much a futurist. I really think that the world is going to be this way, and I really want to help usher it in. You know, there's a great quote from, um, let's see, doesn't matter. Um, the, I, th- actually, I, I think it. it's it's probably uh, William Gibson from from like Neuromancer days. Um, the future's already here; it's just not evenly distributed. And you know what I mean? I know a lot of because I read a lot and am trying to stay current. A lot of where the world is heading technologically and socially and, and, and politically and whatever else it might be. And I also know that the future is very scary to a lot of people. You know, yeah. that's kind of the, the base difference between liberal and conservative, between progressive and retrograde is, do you really embrace change or do you fear it? And I am almost always on the side of, we know we're going there anyway. Why not get there? Why not, you know, if we're going on the trip, then get in the car and go. Don't find ways to delay. Don't find ways to run out of supplies. Don't sabotage yourself. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff, like one of the constant phrases nowadays is, are you on the right side of history? Well, we're making our history as we go. And some part of why I get, I guess, exasperated, like you mentioned your kids and their friends getting is, you've seen the little old ladies with signs saying, I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit. You know, when we were doing this in the 60s and the 80s and the 2000s, and there's these real elements, these incredible pockets of terrible resistance that still think women are not uh, fully human beings. Black people are not fully human. Like who who can still think that way? Right. That's what my exasperation is. You've got to be kidding me. That's yeah. idiocy. That's I- obviously untrue. And yet you're clinging. You're so heels dug in about that. And so I guess that's where I push forward is it doesn't matter what you think. You're wrong. You're just wrong, 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 wrong scientifically and socially and ethically and every other way you're wrong. And so I kind of want to be that reminding them of, you know, when you see the people, what's the, what's the idiot sign? We will not be replaced. Yes, you absolutely will. (laughs) Nazis are replaced. Those horrible, ugly retrograde thoughts do indeed give way to a better world. You know, you choose star Wars, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. You choose to make it so that all the possibilities of humanity can evidence themselves. You don't choose slavery. Right. You don't. Cho- you know what I mean? Like, and and oh. you know, I know where <laughs> the kids are coming from. You know, if I moved back to L over to L.A. or something, I'd probably see the world way different than I do where I live. Uh, okay. And I, I, you know, I understand Ohio, that. Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and I understand that uh, not everybody understands and thinks, and sometimes you have to get out and get it aware and in people's faces. But I, I also argue that I choose to live my life the way we want it to be. And that's as good of an example as the, the fights and the protests and like yeah. that, you know, uh, if I have to choose who I'm going to make uncomfortable, it's not going to be like, Oh, sorry that you're having problem with this idea. Um, uh, uh, because you want to hold on to everything you have and have it stay in place. I'm willing to perpetually have the discussion about that's not the way the world's going to be. That's not the way the uh, an advancing civilization is going to be. Right. So I, I don't want the downtrodden to be the uncomfortable ones. 
do I want one person to be comfortable and a hundred thousand not to be? You know, there's a whole bunch of, it's kind of funny. A lot of how I think of the world is straight out of science fiction. The needs of the many yes. outweigh the needs of the one or not. And I, and, I think our, our, <laughs> we grew up with Star Trek, which, you know, is my yeah. biggest example. What, you know, you said Idic and uh, all that. And I think that's it. That's just, okay, well, that's how the world needs to be. That's how it should be. That's how I want it to be. That's how I right. live. You know, right. so in, in yeah, a lot of ways, the example, instead of my only talking about it, I try to be that example. Yeah. I hope that every one of my quote minority friends, they know that it's never mattered to me. Right. Know, I mean, I'm their friend because I'm their friend, not not that they're my token friend, that they're my that I'm they're my crusader friend. It's because they were good people, and I right. like to be around good, smart, fun people. Right. I, I think <laughs> so, I, my my grandparents were definitely. Uh, oh, oh, Okay, yeah. well, we'll cut it off. We got plenty to talk about next week. Exactly. The garage crew is done, and that's why I really got to go yep, and like yep. see what they've done. Okay. Yay. See you later. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much, Peter. <laughs> okay. Bye. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.